0: Hey Bears fans, it's truly the most wonderful time of year.
1: No, the hockey season isn't quite just here yet. It's college football season, baby. And with all the action coming back, all of the great college football will be back this fall. And DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top rated sportsbook app, is putting new players in the center of the action with $200 in free bets instantly when you bet $1 or more on any college football game take advantage of this limited limited time offer right now. You heard right. DraftKings has given all new players $200 in free bets instantly when you place a bet of $1 or more on any college football game no matter what. ACC, Big 10, Big 12, Pac 12, ACC, SEC, Mountain West, take your pick. Head to DraftKings sportsbook now and check out all of the great promotions and daily odds boosts that they are offering. DraftKings Sportsbook is safe, secure, and reliable and located right here in the U.S. of A. So it's easy to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any college football game. That's promo code THPN to get your free free $200 in free bets instantly for a limited time at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21-year-old or New Jersey, Indiana, PA only. New customers only. Restricted supply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. So you like hockey? Congratulations. You're amongst the smartest sports fans in the world. Want to fight about it? Join me, the hockey troll, and that snack poly cupcakes
0: every Monday and Thursday on the official Caps Chirp podcast, repping the greatest team in the NHL, your Washington Capitals. Not only do we bring you the best Washington Capitals coverage, but we've got the hottest takes and the tastiest content.
1: Tune in wherever you get your podcast and at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com chirp us on all social media platforms at caps chirp
0: see you beauties and vendors there you're listening to the hockey podcast network new shows every day find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from
1: Hello and welcome to the Grit and Barrett podcast, ladies and gentlemen. It is still the month of August for everyone as we are moving on with the month without hockey. Echo added for added effect. So I hope all of you are enjoying your summer out there, everyone. Uh, It's going to be hockey season before you know it, I assure each and every one of you. And I reached out to a special guest for this uh, for this episode. Um, he is a broad- broadcaster, well, former, former play-by-play guy for the Greenville Swamp Wabbits. He was releasified from Hershey, but found his way back to the Chocolate and White. I'm talking about none other than Zach's BFF himself, Matt Trust. Matt, how you doing, man? Thank you for coming on the podcast. How you doing? That's a great
2: introduction. Doing well, thank you for having me.
1: Not a problem, man. Not a problem. I'm very thankful that um that um I'm having uh uh friends and connections from from Hershey reach out and support this this podcast. So enough about me. Uh, talk to Bears Nation about um what happened with you with the pandemic when the world. Uh, started to go crazy and a little bit of your personal journey that got you to uh, Greenville.
2: Yeah, it uh, it was certainly a, a whirlwind. Uh, I was saying to, to people earlier today that uh, when, when you stop and really think about it, it's amazing how much can really happen in a calendar year where in just about a full year's time, you're laid off uh, as the pandemic starts to become uh, more and more cloudy uh, with all the uncertainty of the future Uh, about a year ago from now you know this being august it kind of became a a bit known that playing hockey with the season starting in the traditional month of october uh wouldn't be likely and just all the the unknowns there um i was uh released I Hershey, she uh, just due to the pandemic and uh, it, it was a really big struggle for the entire company as a whole where I certainly wasn't the only one uh, from hockey, not the only one, um, you know, from the hallway here, but also the, the company as a whole that uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, notified that due to the pandemic, the company had to make some tough decisions and downsize certain departments. Um, and as a result, I was uh, a bit of a free agent and looking for uh, another job in hockey, Uh, and ultimately, I I thought it was uh, a really good opportunity to – to just continue to have the boots on the ground and and learn more about you know perhaps a different league, a different organization, uh, a completely different market. You know, hockey in the South and, and hockey in the state of South Carolina. It's not exactly uh, the bread and butter combination, if you will, compared to hockey in Hershey, Pennsylvania. So learning how to do the job in a completely different market and just the the challenges that would come with that. It was a really good learning experience, and I'm very glad I went through it. Uh, I'm very thankful for the, uh, the Greenville Swamp Rabbits organization uh, for, for bringing me on to be their voice for the 2021 season, uh, and I'm stoked to be back in Hershey.
1: So for fans who don't know, is you said Greenville. That's Greenville, South Carolina, because for some odd reason, when I hear Greenville, I think Alabama.
2: There's, uh, there's quite a few Greenvilles, there's a Greenville North Carolina, uh, there's a Greenville South Carolina, so with where the swamp rabbits are located uh, geographically, they're right in between Charlotte, North Carolina, and Atlanta, Georgia. So it's more inland uh, on the, the western, the northwestern side of South Carolina, where then about a three, three and a half hour drive uh, down the interstate, it would connect uh, what they would call the upstate area of South Carolina, which includes Greenville, then it would take you all the way down to the Low Country, closer to the water, where Hershey fans uh, might be familiar with, since the South Carolina Stingrays plague in Charleston.
1: Yeah, more the uh, the 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 Charleston, which is near, which I think is about ninety minutes from from Myrtle, from Myrtle Beach. Um, you said it was a different atmosphere down there. I mean, obviously, with the pandemic, it was a much different atmosphere uh, um, everywhere uh did did Greenville allow any fans during the season and did you feel like there was a real sense of anticipation that people really wanted to go and watch uh hockey down there in South Carolina
2: Yeah absolutely so our season started uh at the beginning of December uh with the the, uh, the Greenville Swabbit. So we were back on the ice about two months before uh, the American Hockey League season had started. And with our arena, uh, thankfully for us, the, the Swamp Rabbits play at a very nice 15,000 seat facility there, uh, the Bon Secor Wellness Arena, and we were operating at 25% capacity. So we had the luxury of when it was all systems go uh, limited capacity, sellout crowd would be close to 4,000 for us. So you talk about really lucking out in terms of, you know, when the pandemic was still going on and in a time of a lot of uncertainty, the NHL hasn't started, the American Hockey League hasn't started, but here we are playing double-A hockey. And for Greenville, one of the very first professional hockey games uh, for this current hockey season, uh just um being able to play down there and having fans in the building too you know we were we were very very fortunate and it certainly you know i think makes a huge difference at that level to have a few thousand fans in there
1: especially throughout the winter it helped any team to have any sort of a uh, fan support um in in the building in, in any capacity i remember in uh in march when is it was either march or april the rangers in New York City, started letting people in, and you really feel the atmosphere proverbially light up when you have fans there. And I know that's that's Manhattan, that's the bread and butter of New York City. But like, but like you said, just to have a fan presence there and have, uh, dare I say, real reaction instead of uh, crowd noise, makes a world of a difference, especially during the the rougher part of the pandemic when we were still very early in the vaccine rollout, um, fans needed an escape. And I felt like hockey, along with a few other sports, really provided that. Did you feel that way down there?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, An interesting similarity that I found between Greenville, South Carolina, and that market compared to what we have here in Hershey is up here in Hershey, Penn State football has a huge following where in Greenville, South Carolina, Clemson is only about 40 minutes away. So when you go down to that area, you talk about Clemson football being absolutely king down there. So it was beneficial and interesting for me where it's, okay you already have that that background of kind of competing with a uh, uh, division one premier college football team uh in the same market as your minor league hockey team but also in that market there is a high eight baseball team as well for the boston red sox and traditionally down south when you have the pecking order it would be football is at the very top baseball is a high number two and then there's also a minor league soccer team there that's been very successful and then you have hockey but nonetheless in Greenville outside of Clemson football we were uh the only minor league sports franchise uh at uh when you look at the winter months going into the spring that was in action and there was absolutely pent-up demand where people just wanted to get out of the house and do something and regardless of whether they were a diehard fan or a casual fan been to two games they've been to 20 or they haven't been to a game in in 15 20 years since the greenville growl days it was just a a breath of fresh air for people to to be able to get out of the house and i think the organization from top to bottom did a really good job to increase the fan experience as well where even though it was 25 percent capacity and really had a, a big game feel to it in the facility
1: The Greensville growl. Wow, there's a reference for a lot of people. For those who don't know, I think they were part of the SPHL, the Southern Pro Hockey League, in the 90s. The only way that I know this is um, I'm a jersey collector, hockey jersey collector, as Matt knows, and some who listen to this podcast know. So I've seen Greensville growl jerseys, the dog and the four R's in the name. So, um, so there's a little bit of a. Do you have a Greenville Ground jersey? No. 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 I, I, I. So I purchased one on eBay just, uh,. When I was
2: working in Greenville, I was like, I love that logo. The Greenville Growl logo is so vintage, has a great look. I also love purple in hockey. (laughs) I have an obsession with purple hockey jerseys. I think the Reading Royals, in my opinion, should have never gone away from purple. Once they kind of reacclimated that, (laughs) I was so happy. But when the Manchester Monarchs would come into town in Hershey, I had to see those purple jerseys in action. So I was on eBay a few months ago, and I saw one of those vintage purple Greenville Growl jerseys and I, I had to have it and it's uh, proudly hanging up in the closet
1: beautiful lovely stuff absolutely love hearing stuff like that yeah you don't see a lot of purple in hockey or at least teams that own the color purple I mean the Philadelphia Phantoms did for a while um, until like everybody in the 2000s just adopted black as their color because well it looks cool so going back to a uh, to greensville the uh the swamp the swamp rabbits um you did you call the games live at home i i know i asked you you called them remotely the the road games was that that way all season for road and were you actually at the uh healthcare arena for their home games
2: yeah so for, for home games it was great i loved home games because it was the trick traditional way of calling the game where you have a few thousand fans in attendance all the action is in front of you. you can see the game you can feel the game and you're just a part of the action so for all home games from start to finish through the season and our playoff run it was like that and it was so much fun it was so memorable for away games from start up until the playoffs uh it would be off a monitor so that was very challenging working alongside uh flow hockey which was the streaming provider for the echl just starting up this season where uh we would send a stream back to flow hockey which they would then turn around and put it out to the uh the paying public since it was all pay-per-view And it was certainly a challenge since we were all kind of doing this for the first time, including Flow Hockey. Uh, so they were sending us their equipment and just praying by night that it would work uh, it didn't always go according to plan uh, there was a lot that uh, we had to kind of do on the fly to work out some kinks and do some troubleshooting uh, so it's it's pretty intimidating when you're a rookie broadcaster you're live on there you're still learning how to do the play by play thing and then you're at the mercy of a video feed that you are receiving from another building some are fantastic venues like the Orlando Solar Bears sharing their venue with the Orlando Magic, so those would always be the most enjoyable remote broadcast since you knew you were getting 50 different camera angles. And then you would have other buildings like where the Indy Fuel play, where they are about as old as the historic Hershey Park Arena, and you know you're you might be in for a little bit of an adventure when it, it would come to a broadcast like that. Uh, so just learning how to adapt on the fly where they would have most buildings uh, pump crowd sound into my headset, even though I was working the game remotely. So in my headset, it would still kind of feel like I was. Other buildings, uh, A, B, or C would go wrong. You would have no crowd volume in your headset whatsoever, and you're just staring at a screen and talking to yourself for three hours. And that prevented a world of, of different challenges because you remove well senses that you rely on when you are calling a hockey game. Just the little details you don't necessarily think of like hearing the horn in your headset, knowing that, okay, we're going to immediate timeout and it's time for me to go to break where you don't really have that. So then you're at the mercy of your camera angles where I'm going, okay, I believe our goaltender is skating over to the bench for water. We're going to take a timeout 1357 to go in the first period, no score. So it, it really changed just the thought process in terms of just going with the script um, and just trying to execute to the best you can in just a very weird, unlikely scenario.
1: I think I can, I, I think I can jokingly say this to you because I know like you're the, um, of the, of the right age for this, even though some of the, um, the, uh, the uh, older fans won't get this, but I've seen enough of this. So you say you were calling from a monitor um, and sometimes the sound noise would go out, and you'd basically be talking by yourself for three for three hours if it came to that. So basically, you became a Twitch streamer and didn't even know it. I, I honestly did. Before <laughs> I even knew it, I
2: was streaming on Twitch. There was this one game, and I kid you not, so keep in mind, too, we were more often than not receiving a straight video board feed from the opposing team arena. So what the fans are being... Tra- Treated to in house, but I'm treated to from a different state more often than not. And there was a road trip where we played three games in Rapid City, South Dakota, against the Rapid City Rush. Where for whatever reason, somebody as uh, the puck dropped on a neutral zone faceoff and play had resumed in the final minute of a second period, somebody in the control room was sleeping. At the dial and there is just a shot of fans I can still see the score bug on the screen so I know play is going on and for the first 10-15 seconds uh, of moving the puck is in play and see where the puck is I don't have a clue are the fans dancing and waving up on the video board So for about 5-10 seconds, I just made it all up in my head as to where the puck was, and then we rejoined play, and (laughs) we just kind of had to smoothly adapt right to it, but nobody on Flow Sports would have known. The radio feed was pretty much the Flow Sports feed, just simulcasted, so nobody from a radio or TV standpoint knew, for about 10-15 seconds, you are making up the action in your head, since all you are treated to are dancing fans up on the video board.
1: You'd think somebody would have said would have said to him, Camera three! Camera three! Not camera two. you'd yeah, think somebody would have done that. So it,
2: you know what? It, it was a great year to learn how to broadcast. I will <laughs> say
1: that. I, I gotta admit, I, I'm a bit jealous because you do the job that, that that is my that that is my dream job um to uh broadcast. Um I am behind a microphone in a sense, but you are able to do do what i am not and i'm thankful for it because um it's not an easy industry to get in it's a very legacy and tenure especially with some of the voices that are still up there that that are out there that are up there in years like a rick jarrett and mike lang um do you feel like that within like the next 10 or 15 years we're going to see an influx of like younger voices like broadcasters in their 20s and 30s as some of these more iconic voices go out
2: yeah absolutely uh and the american hockey league has been tremendous and i think the pandemic really provided an opportunity to showcase the amount of great voices there are in the american hockey league that are so young and like you mentioned they're in their 20s or 30s i, I think about uh, obviously zach fish doing seven games on a fill-in basis for washington last season speaks for itself But Rob Lopolis, the play-by-play voice of the Binghamton Devils, filling in and doing games for New Jersey, and he was tremendous. Alan Fearing with the Bridgeport Sound Tigers – even before the pandemic uh, guys such as Joe O'Donnell, who's with the Iowa wild having opportunities to call games with the big club in Minnesota. There are just so many and the list goes on. There are just so many very talented young broadcasters in this league that almost like a player, you know, they go up at a moment's notice and more often than not, they, they hit home runs because they're very good at their craft and they're very good at what I do. Um, I, I think it. Uh, I I'm always very transparent with people and it, it surprises, uh, I, I think, a lot of individuals when I tell them that uh, I'm not the traditional broadcaster, I, certainly in the show I wasn't the traditional broadcaster because uh, I, I'm open with the fact that my goal in my career is to not be a play-by-play voice in the National Hockey League. Uh, my goal is to not be a play-by-play voice in the American Hockey League, more so I enjoy the PR side of my job and what I do. Uh, and in the lower levels, very often, if you do PR, you also have to do broadcasting. And quite simply, that was the reason why I was the voice in Greenville uh, with the Swamp Rabbits for the 2020 21 season. They needed a PR guy. I wanted to go down and continue to get some reps, and from a PR standpoint, and learn a different market. It just so happened I would also have to learn a new craft in doing so, and that would be play by play. And I really enjoyed it. I think I'm more well rounded for taking that uh, that opportunity and uh, that season to to learn a, a bit of a different trade, if you will. Uh, but ultimately, the goal for me is to not be a play by play voice uh, in the H O or the NHL. The goal is, if I could become more well-rounded, and if I'm someone that could become a reliable backup guy at the AHL level, then ultimately, I think this season was a pretty good success.
1: Well, you're right. The pandemic uh, forced a lot of people to go in directions that um, that n- nobody was really prepared for, and um, it was good to see you, you know, preferably land on your feet somewhere somewhere and you got that that opportunity in greensville uh so once greenville season ended um, h- um h- how'd you get back to hershey because it seemed like at least through social media that hey the swamp rabbit season is over here's hershey and away you go that's what it <laughs> looked like i don't think that, that that's not how the business world works
2: yeah uh so the 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 full transparency is that the the conversations, uh, the conversations about uh, me returning to Hershey started uh, around March or April uh, in terms of okay what's the likelihood here of the company expanding the P- yard apartment from 1 back to 2 uh and then learning that in april uh, the company was going to indeed go in that direction uh beginning sometime uh in the summer they still haven't uh, at the time piece together an exact date yet and then uh, since I was a leg off the company uh, they gave me the first right of refusal uh, to come back uh, into into my former po- uh, position uh, then also with conversations with fish um, very positive conversations in terms of you know here's what I did in the 18-19 and 19-20 season, here are things that perhaps we can do a little different uh, where it's still the same job, but we tweak it and fine tune it in certain areas that I think would be beneficial for the organization as a whole, but also from my career standpoint. And I think there were just a lot of very positive conversations and uh, some reshuffling of the deck and change of personnel uh, that uh, I think also made a, a return very uh in certain area so i think um i i I had my decision made up that i was going back to hershey um towards the end of may which was awkward because we had a a very very good hockey team in greenville uh this is in the back of my mind that i know i'm returning to hershey but at the same time you know i want to do everything i can to give my current organization at the time greenville 110 percent to still do my job to the best of my ability we were gearing up for a long playoff run so i wanted to do everything in my power to to support the playoff run continue to uh to pitch media outlets to get our our hockey team on the news as much as possible which is positive coverage to get people in the building and overall just thing i can to to move the needle so it was certainly awkward when um you know the game 4 ended the final horn sounds of the eastern conference finals and it's the south carolina stingrays knocking us out of the postseason and you have all these emotions you know running through you since well you want a kelly cup you're happy for South Carolina because I know that organization very well and all the high quality people that are in it, and also knowing that you know I'm going to do a post game show and sign off for the final time, uh, and then in a couple weeks uh, transition back to a, a different organization. It was a very awkward, very strange time. Um, it was something that I, from up until the end of the season, I only talk to one or two people about, you know, me going back to Hershey, um, co-workers, staff members, uh, coaches, players. It wasn't a conversation that I had until our season ended simply because I wanted people to to know that, you know, I'm here. I For the time being, this organization is, is my livelihood, and I'm going to do everything I can to help the Swamp Rabbit succeed uh, with the right plan. Um, but then, yeah, once the season's over, um, you know, business as usual and just, uh, just try to move on to what's next.
1: Uh, if if I may ask, um, was, was there an opportunity to stay in Greenville for PR or slash and or broadcasting? And did you consider staying? Uh, yeah,
2: the door was open for me to stay in Greenville. Um, and I, I can tell you firsthand that they, they would have preferred to have me for more than one season than, than search for another guy, uh, you know, again, and kind of go through the process. And I'll tell you, that's an incredible city. Uh, it's a great city. The people there are fantastic. Uh, the organization, it's really, really fun being a part of an organization that's in the process of turning things around after a change of ownership and once being a franchise that was uh you know perhaps didn't have the most positive reputation in their community with how they did business to a new ownership stepping in and looking to to build a lot of new relationships uh grassroots level and uh and continue to to trend in in a positive direction so it it was a, a blast being down there. I liked it a lot, but ultimately, with with what my goal is in my career to be a PR guy in the National Hockey League, that's ultimately what the goal is. It, it's hard to find a better spot than Hershey, PA, uh, when it comes to being on that track. You know, putting yourself in a good position to ultimately get there. And I think being in Hershey, where you have 10 11,000 fans in your building You have a local media group that covers this hockey team like they're and like we're an NHL franchise you know I think about our relationship with Fox 43 and their sports department from, from Andrew Callista down and just everyone involved with that station to ABC 27. And uh, since the passing of Greg, how Ali Barubi and Damon Turbit Logan, how they treat our hockey team here is unbelievable. You know, they really treat us like we are an NHL-caliber organization. And I can tell you from, from Zach, from myself, from a PR standpoint – that makes us so much better. It makes us so much sharper because you always have you know, that task at hand. And also the affiliation with Washington plays a huge role in that as well. The Capitals treat us exceptionally well uh, from a preseason standpoint, from development camp, having us in Arlington for days at a time when a lot of our players uh, are with the Capitals for uh, a training camp or D-camp camp uh, and our PR department has such great energy and a working relationship with, with Washington's PR department, getting to know their media members as well in D.C., from Samantha Pell with The Washington Post to Tom Ludby of NHL.com. Carrick with The Athletic, uh, J.J. Regan with NBC Sports Washington. You know, it, it is just such a great relationship between us and Washington that extends so much beyond what you see on the ice that from a PR standpoint, it just makes so much sense to be part of this organization.
1: Wow. A lot, a, a lot out of that. And you are right. Like uh, Fox 43 stepped in this season and uh, we're able to provide uh, fans with a good chunk amount of games uh, for those who weren't able to or didn't get any um, NH- NHL, uh, AHL TV. So um, we'll, we'll get you out of here on this. What are your thoughts on the, I know it's only August and I have high expectations for this team. Like, I really see the makeup of this team as of uh, checks Notes early August, that I think this team has serious potential to put a 12th in in the rafters with just the young core and the veterans that are all coming together. So what is your sense of this Bears club heading into the 21-22 season?
2: My sense is this is a very... Good keeper because it, it, you have the speed, you have some goal scores, and, and honestly, on top of that too, on top of you know looking at my depth chart here and guys that that can certainly put the puck in the net and they're they're proven uh, vets like a guy like Matt Molson and a Mike Scarbosa, but having the young players like Connor McMichael. Could he be here? Uh, A healthy Beck Malenstein, the speed of Shane Gersuch, the the progress that Axel Jansson Fialbi has made throughout the past couple years, um, how players such as Garrett Pilon uh, are really on that cusp of making the jump to being perhaps uh, a third, fourth line guy in the National Hockey League as too as Brian Pino. Uh, You have so many good pieces here on paper, but what's remarkable to me is... This team is tough as well. This is just a hard, gritty team to play against right now when you look at the players such as a Dylan McElrath and a Matt Irvin uh, with McCoy Urkham's back in the organization uh, for another year you know this is a team that can bang some bodies and didn't even mention Kale Kessie as well Like this this is a team that they can score goals, they can defend the goaltending is there uh, Fukali I thought the sample size we saw uh, with him playing in Hershey last year was a pretty solid one to show that he could be, uh, you know, very solid. Him, Copley. You have Hunter, uh, Hunter Shepherd back in the organization. I saw a lot of him and what he did for South Carolina, and I think he's a goaltender that's ready to play uh, uh, at the AHL level. Uh, this is just a, a team that really checks a lot of boxes for me.
1: Agreed. I think this is going to be a very, very fun team to watch. There'll be a lot of challenges, especially with that road-heavy. Um, end of March and early early April, but um, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be uh, fun if it was easy. So Matt, thank you very much for joining me for just you know you know coming on this show. Um, you know we've talked a lot at other arenas throughout the past couple of years, and I you know I know we were going to try and do this interview back in September when you were trying to get your own podcast going, but then Greenville came along, and nothing wrong with that. So just really good to see you you know have success down there in the south and um to come back here and if there's anything you know you want to promote yourself any socials um i'll give you a minute or two for that so the board is thine
2: yeah absolutely uh you know i I I tell people all the time, this, this isn't about me. This is about the players on the ice. It's about their journey to get to the NHL. It's about, you know, their families. It it always takes a village uh, for, for each player out there to, to chase his dream and get ultimately to the level that he wants to be at. Um, And I'm just i I'm just a guy that gets to watch and have fun and and be a part of this journey. Uh, So, uh, you know, I, I thank you for, for being a part of this as well and for, for being a huge part of what makes this town special. And just the following that, that makes terti almost a, another National League
1: franchise. Of course, of course. And thank you again, Matt, for joining me. And thank you, all of you, for your time, listens, and downloads, listening to this hack on a microphone while you're out there enjoying your summer. So stay... Two hacks, by the way, me and you both. <laughs> <laughs> hey... hey you're you're a hack with a degree. I'm just a hack with 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 a microphone and a big imagination. That that's what I call myself. So, thank you, Matt. It, it, it's just a piece of paper, Richard. If you can talk, you can talk. <laughs> just a piece of paper. A, 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 amen to that. So I've been told. So, thank you to everyone. Enjoy your summer. Enjoy your summer, Matt. Enjoy your summer, Bears Nation. We will see Giant Center again. We will see the Shire again, each and every one of us. Can't wait to see everyone on October 16th, and we'll catch you next time. Thank you for downloading this episode of the Grit and Barrett podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe on whatever podcast platform you are currently listening to. If you are listening on Apple or Google, please leave us a five-star review as it appeases our algorithm overlords. If you enjoyed this podcast, please check out the Hockey Podcast Network